Support the Amigos podcast and keep the Amiga goodness flowing for just a dollar a month. Visit our page at patreon.com slash Amigos podcast. Amiga, the first personal computer that gives you a creative edge. Amigos, the podcast about everything Amiga. Amigos is a proud member of the Throwback Network, your home for quality retro podcasts. And now, here are your hosts, Aaron Dowdy and John Bodokar Schaller. Hi everybody and welcome to Amigos. I'm John. And I'm Aaron. And today we are going to talk about North and South. Uh, but before we do, we've got a couple, couple other things to uh, talk about, Amiga-related things. Uh, the first thing is... Uh, Check our YouTube page because we just received our very first mail. Uh, yes. Physical mail. It was awesome. A package in the mail from Norway. Uh, this is, uh, we got a package from our uh, our Patreon. Uh, his uh, He's got a, a business called O'Brien's Retro and Vintage, and he sent us some awesome Amiga stuff. Uh, we won't go into a lot of detail. You can check out the video, but just a few things that he sent us was... Uh, a uh, cannon fodder uh, cover disc, which includes a sensible soccer uh, tie-in, a cannon fodder player's manual, an HP Lovecraft game yes. for the Amiga, which I didn't even know existed. This is now on the list, folks. We're going to be taking a look at this somewhere down the line. Yeah, it's called The Hound of Shadow. Uh, he sent us an Amiga CD with you know compositions performed uh, or composed on the Amiga. And then also, he sent us a Norwegian Blu-ray... <laughs> I think I'm. We're pretty sure it's Norwegian, um, and it's called Commander Treeholt and Ninja Troppen. Um, and so uh, we it will, looks great. Yeah, it looks great. <laughs> it really looks good. And so uh, I'm excited to watch that. Um, boy, just looking at the pictures on the back, it just I can't wait. So have, have uh, you ever seen a Norwegian film? Never, never I in think, my life. I think I saw a film once called De- uh, Oh, it was a zombie movie, Dead Snow. I think that was Norwegian, but I can't. I can't be 100% sure. So uh, if there's any Norwegians out there that have seen Dead Snow, confirm or <laughs> deny that. So uh, this, uh, we're, like I said, thank you again to... Yes, uh, thank you very much. ...to Jonas over at O'Brien's Retro and Vintage for all the great stuff. Um, and your continued support. Absolutely. And, and if, you're, if you're up in that area, please have a look at this guy. I mean... If you're in Norway, there's no reason why you shouldn't be listening to this podcast while shopping yeah. at O'Brien's Retro <laughs> yeah, and Vintage. Yes. <laughs> Tell them we sent you. Uh, next up, uh, Aaron's got some some uh, Amiga 500 uh, mm-hmm. get, getting it going news. No. Nope. Nope. Oh, you mean on the R's? Yeah, that's what, what I'm talking what, about. What do we have? Oh, you lost me. I don't know what you're talking about. Buddy. I'm talking about the diodes. Oh, the diodes. Uh, the diodes. Well, folks, the diode situation is dire. <laughs> I uh, let me let me backtrack a moment. The uh, I have an Amiga 1084S monitor, which would be beautiful to go with this 500. The problem is it blew up violently with smoke and, and flaming. Um, I, I'm a decent hand with circuit board repair. I'd say I'm better than average. Uh, I did it for a living for a long time. And uh, I've tracked down the problem, I think, to a couple, to a, one or two bad diodes. I mean, burnt. Uh, and these diodes are tough to come by, and so we've had to go to Malaysia to have these things sent in. And uh, we're going to give that a whirl uh, when we get them in. We're going to—I'll pull them off the—I've already pulled the old one off. We'll stick them in, and uh, we'll see how it goes. I don't. Uh, there, I've looked 
for information about this particular problem and not gotten a lot, so I'm guessing this is something unique. Lucky me. But uh, if it, hey, if it gets it working, I'll let you know. It's going to be a while, though. Like I said, these are coming in from Malaysia, so it'll probably be a couple weeks. But, uh, hey, if we can get the monitor up and running, we can uh, kick the 520 to the curve. All right. Uh, so that is uh, an update on what's going on in our physical Amiga space. Uh, the next thing I want to talk about is uh, a little bit of hardware that's a little obscure. All right. While I was uh, scouring the Internet for uh, news related to the Amiga, I found uh, some information about a model that I'd never even heard of before called the Amiga 1500. Mm. Now, have you heard of the 1500 before? I have heard of it. I know nothing about it. Okay. Well, you've heard of the Amiga 2000, right? Absolutely. Okay. Well, the Amiga 2000 and 1500 are very similar. Uh, the only difference is that the, uh, the, um, the 1500 sold with two floppy drives instead of one plus a hard disk. Okay? Now, <laughs> I don't know which is worse. Right? <laughs> now, it, it was only released in the UK. Okay. And it was only in production in 1990. What short run. Yeah. So if you got one of these things, you know, consider yourself lucky. Um, it, uh, the, it was, what they were trying to do was, Commodore was trying to hit the business market because I guess they were kind of seen in the UK as more of a games machine. And they were trying to really, you know, convince business users that, hey, you can use this thing just like you could, you know, an IBM PC or something like that. And they wanted to bring the price down to a thousand pounds. And so I guess by removing the, the hard drive um, and, and adding in that second floppy, they were able to do that. Um, so uh, now that in itself is interesting. You know, the fact that Commodore UK thought that Commodore in America was just so out of touch with what their users in the UK wanted that they would specifically create a new machine just for their market. Uh, this is, this is uh, in this article that I'm reading, uh, this is an article, by the way, by A. Stuart Williams, and uh, I'm going to link to it in the show notes because it's just fascinating. It's also got some great pictures, but uh, he, uh, he talks to um, David J. Pleasance, who is the... Uh, the former general manager and last managing director of Commodore Business Machines UK. And he said that uh, what they were trying to do is they're, you know, they're trying to make a machine that was palatable to the UK business market. Um, they wanted to make it cheap and they wanted to make it what they needed. Um, and so um, it says that, uh, you know, at that time, uh, a lot of dealers that are, were already selling the 2000 with the hard drive is optional. Um, and, uh, but it was, you know, it was just too expensive. And so this was kind of a, you know, kind of a stopgap or, you know, another, another choice for, for business users. Don't you find it odd that um, if you think back, this is before we had the modern tools to run, run games or whatnot for hard drive. The hard drive on the Amiga was, I don't want to say it was useless, you could store pictures and dot, but I mean, for for gaming, it was practically useless. So, selling the business machine with the hard drive out, and then considering the two thousand a gaming machine, seems completely backwards to me. It seems like two drives would help your gaming a lot more than the hard drive, and the hard drive would help your product, your being productive and and using your uh, applications more in an office setting than having the extra drive. Yeah, I'm sure it's. I mean, it's all got to be straight up cost cutting. I can't see yeah. the rhyme or reason to think that an office would want one without the hard drive. And and you know what's funny is that you can could easily convert 
1500 into a 2000 by just installing a hard disk and then peeling off the 1500 sticker, revealing the 2000 sticker beneath it. Oh, there it is. (laughs) Wow. That's outstanding. Now, um, the, now that in itself is an interesting story. So effectively, let me get this straight. I could go out and get myself a sticker made. And then stick it over my 2000 sticker, and I've got a 1500. Just take out, you know, if you've got a hard drive in there, take it out, replace it with another floppy, and that's it. Now, that on its own would be an interesting story. Yes. But the the rest of the story, the story behind the story, is far more fascinating. Okay? So the there was this company that was called Checkmate in the UK. Okay. And what they were doing is they were selling an upgrade kit for the 500 called the A1500, okay? okay? And what they were doing is they were taking, um, they were taking Amigas that were sold just, you know, they were taking Amiga 500s, they called them Batman packs because they were being sold really cheap very, with Batman very, very, fam- very famous pack, yes. Yeah. And uh, they were adding in slots and things that were in the flicker fixer that you know that that were putting in uh, the people were putting in um, that you know that the three thousand had, and um, and so basically what they were doing was they were creating a new Amiga on their own, um, and I guess you could buy it without the case or with the case, and you know they were selling they were selling you know you know an okay amount of these, and what happened was. They went to Commodore, the business division in the UK, and say, hey, you know, we're selling a lot of these. Would you be interested in buying our technology? And Amiga, the Amiga folks looked at it and they said, well, how about this? How about we shut you guys down with a cease and desist? We take (laughs) your idea and we implement it, calling it the same thing, the Amiga 1500. Wow. And that's exactly what they did. So they basically screwed these Checkmate guys. They took their technology. They took their idea, which was a, nothing but a positive for Amiga users, and basically just said, you know, we don't need you. We're, we, can, we can replicate that without your help. They played hardball. They did. And so, uh, you know, there's a lot more that, that, that I'm not going into just because it's such a long story. But um, you know they the the checkmate fi- uh, the checkmate guys the checkmate guy um, basically said that uh, you know they went in there just really wanting to help support Amiga they wanted Commodore you know they wanted Amigas to be used for business purposes which is what this the purpose of this thing was and they noticed that you know Amiga just seemed to be more interested in pushing the platform as a games platform than a business platform and this was a reason how to do it and Amiga just pulled the rug out from under them. So, or a Commodore. To, to get this straight, these guys are making a, a what was a, 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 like a case mod for the five hundred that added additional stuff. Yeah, and from what I from what I could gather, <laughs> you could buy basically, and it looked like an Amiga five hundred. Okay, but they were able to add various things internally to it that would turn it into something closer to the two thousand. I see. I see. Because I mean, if and you, I don't know if you'd have heard of this. There's there was an outfit called like one thing I used to see all the time to make this was an outfit called Bodega Bay. And they would, they would. Uh, it was a, uh, a thing that plug. You plugged your Amiga 500 into it, and uh, like sort of like the, our Amiga here. There's a sidecar, but the sidecar connected to a, a drive bay, and it, it was like it looked made it look like a, a big, huge machine. 
uh, that would it would add a bunch of functionality to it. You know, it's sort of the same thing. Right. And it's, but in terms of Commodore jumping these guys and taking their business, that doesn't surprise me. No. People were predatory back in those days. Commodore, uh, they weren't the they weren't the first or the last to do something like that. Uh, and uh, it was it was that sounds slimy. <laughs> it's crazy though. Yeah, it's just it's such an interesting story because you know not only do you have this system that was only released in the UK for only one year. But it has this really fascinating backstory to it. You know, the funny thing about the Amiga, if just to go off on a tangent, here you had a brilliant, brilliant chipset and computer. Okay, it comes out in 85 or whatever. And then it seems like for the next four or five years or, or more, they just took that same basic concept and just wrapped anything they could around it. Right. You know, and just, they didn't evolve. And when they did evolve, it wasn't much of an evolution, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it one looks at the way computers evolve now. That I'll, I'll admit the PC market sort of stagnated. That once they hit the i five, i seven, that area, it's they haven't done a whole. It's pretty much been the same stuff. But for the longest time, especially in the, in the old days, you'd see new processors, new generations of processors coming out every couple of years, and uh, uh, and it went fast. I think that was also a, a contributing factor to the reason Amiga went away. It's because you can't ride Atari, the same thing. They took that basic chipset from the 70s, and they just rode that thing into the into the dirt. Mm-hmm. They, de- they didn't evolve until the, the ST came out, and by that time, you know, they'd gotten passed. Right. You know, and this is another example. Here's Commodore. We want to make this a business machine. Let's see. And that, that's the wackiest plan I've ever heard. The sticker is... It, <laughs> That's wacky. All of it's wacky, and it, may, it but it sounds like something a, a company would do that's out of ideas, basically. Right. That's what it, you know. Sadly, yeah. and uh, just as one final uh, PS on this, um, the article has two ads side by side um, that both appeared in um, Amiga User International in August of 1990. Uh, even though the Amiga 1500 was released, Checkmate still continued to sell their A1500 add-on. Oh. And if you look at the size of the ads, and you think about how much ads cost a place, the Checkmate ad is a full-page ad versus the Amiga 1500 is just a little blurb, you know? And so... Vintage Commodore, they couldn't advertise yeah. either. <laughs> it's just really, really interesting. So please do check that out in the um, in the show notes. That sounds like an awesome article. I'm definitely going to read, give that a read. All right. It's time. It's time... For the vampires. <laughs> He's here. Invite you. <laughs> well, this is funny coming from off that story uh, because this is the exact opposite. This is heavy duty innovation uh, on something that's long, long since dead. The vampire, it's undead. It won't go. No, I've, I've been hearing a lot of uh, a lot of uh, talk about this accelerator uh, called the Vampire. It's the Vampire Two, and uh, so I finally, and I've had some people ask me about it, and I've given it a cursory look, but I finally sat down and really had a good hard look at this thing, just because uh, it's it has started to ship, uh, or has been shipping just for a couple weeks, I think. Uh, to give you an idea of what this thing is, uh, it, the Vampire 2, it's a it's an accelerator, and right now it's available for the Amiga, <coughs> Amiga 600, strangely enough. It's odd that they would start with the 600, but what the heck. Um, and there may be some reason behind that. I, I'm not sure. Um, uh, the, this thing is packed, okay? What you get, first of all, 
128 megs of fast RAM. That's a lot for an Amiga. Yeah, when you consider how much RAM did the 600 chip with? Yeah. One meg? Yeah. Yeah. Um, digital video output with the Picasso 96. Um, they An SD card for uh, H, hard drive storage. This had been marked as a work in progress before. We're not going to read this. is something that's been implemented. Um, this is a it's a direct update core from the Amiga without uh, the need for external programmer. What that basically means, you can update this thing without taking it out. With I guess with disks or having it hooked up to the internet or whatever. So I mean, and they apparently they've already either they already released some updates or they're in the process of releasing some updates. So I mean, this is something they're gonna update to add functionality to oh, okay. effectively. Um, and a couple of the future updates are supposed to have uh, um, an FPU and a and 16-bit audio. Interesting. Uh, the FPU, from what I've read, is all but ready uh, on that. Um, this thing sits on top of the original CPU in your 600, and it, it basically it it takes over the whole machine. Um, it's faster. This thing is faster than a Amiga 1200 with a 6860. Okay, it's a uh, um, the the what's awesome about it is this thing runs at like 500 megahertz or some ludicrous speed. The if you ponder that for a moment, if you consider how fast the Amiga RAM, the Amiga 600 ran back in the day, that's incredible, mm-hmm. <laughs> incredibly amount of speed. Um, they're going to try to to make it so it can support 24-bit true color. And, and full HD. Wow. Amazing. I saw some video of this thing uh, doing crazy stuff. They had it running MP3s, which that in itself, if you consider MP3s are pretty processor Take intense. Some, yeah, yeah. Um, something that blew my mind, they uh, they had it running a Mac emulator mm-hmm. that was running Duke Nukem. Wow. And it, and it was running great. This thing flies. And from what I've been able to ascertain, it's fully backwards compatible uh, with the 68,000 series. So all your old Amiga stuff should run just like it normally would. Uh, I obviously don't have one of these. I don't have a 600. But the good news is they're, the next one in line they're going to be releasing is wham, bam, it's an Amiga 500 version. I hear it's very close. And then after that, they're going to be a 1200 version. Um, the price on these things is if you consider... What you're getting, and I was like, "Boy, here's let's see what this thing's going to run." Right now, um, the their the 600 version is 212 dollars American. That's very that's that's about half as much yeah. as I thought you were. Uh, 150 pounds. Um, apparently, that went up a little bit from their initial uh, uh, estimates, but from what this fella said, I guess. Uh, I can only guess that one of these guys is in Canada because they said something about the Canadian exchange rate being real low, and that screwed up the price. Um, the uh, um, the guy behind this, so at least there's it's the Apollo team. Uh, there's several guys in there. Uh, they're all have unpronounceable names. <laughs> uh, Gunner von Bone uh, is one of these guys. Igor Majestorovic. Man. Is another it just fellow. warms my heart to know that in this day and age, people are still being named Igor. Yeah, I love that. Well, I'd, I'd say that's a more popular name overseas than it is than it is Unfortunately, here. Unfortunately, that's now, what I say. Get this stuff. This is what really kind of I thought was interesting, is that the uh, uh, 
the in future updates, this thing will hopefully, if everything goes properly, this thing will be able to have uh, AGA on a six on a six hundred or a five hundred right graphics, so, and even something that, that that's called a SAGA Super Advanced Graphic Architecture, uh, which is. Uh, um, like something that I guess doesn't exist. Or, yeah, I was going <laughs> to no, say because I mean, there's no Amiga that had right. that wouldn't be on the AGA, I, I, you right? You know, so it's 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 going to be something. Again, sight unseen. I haven't got the chance to obviously fool with one of these, but I'm I'm going to dig into it some more. I'm really anxious. You know, so few people have 600s in in America. I, I don't know about overseas. They're probably a little more common, but there aren't very many here. But there are plenty of 500s. Uh, and this would be holy smokes! This would be quite a boon for uh, someone that's got a lowly 500 yeah, to jump and up to. What would what will also be great is that if these things take off, hopefully that will lower the price of 1200s on eBay, and so the people <laughs> that want those can get those, and the people that want to get 500s and upgrade them this way, then you can do that too. The uh, um, the the way of, uh, that I read how this is installed, it's it's it uh, it reminds me of some things I've done on the old 500. It's, it's it apparently just goes right in the 68,000 socket. They said there's no cutting of the uh, at least on the 600. There's no cutting, there's no hole punching, there's no there's not even wiring. I guess you just, mm-hmm. I just throw it in there and it goes. So this will be something to look into uh, somewhere down the road. Uh, this is just a little preliminary look at it. I, it sounds interesting to me though. And uh, I will uh, keep you informed as uh, new products get released and and develop. Cool. Um, well, that ends our hardware segment for the week. Uh, you know, we're we're always looking out for new things to talk about. So if you've got uh, you know a tip or you hear about a story coming in, then uh, just you know write in and let us know, and uh, we'll talk about it. All right. Uh, now it's time for our game of the week. North and South. So, uh, North and South, how would you describe North and South? What kind of a game? It's <laughs> it's it's a game that I, I question who it appeals to exactly. It's not deep enough to be a strategy game, and there's not enough action for it to be an action game. <laughs> so, it's sort of a... It's sort of a not great at either a- a angle. Yeah, light strategy, light action. Very light. Yeah, game. Um, and uh, it was released in 1989. And uh, it's another one of these games that just got a ton of sport, a uh, ton of ports. Um, it was ported for uh, the ST, the NES. That was the, the version that I was familiar with. The, uh, the, the CPC, the MSX, DOS, the ZX Spectrum. No Acorn Archimedes, unfortunately, this time. I'm always a little saddened when the, when the Archimedes doesn't get any love. <laughs> um, what can you tell us about North and South as far as the uh, behind the scenes, Aaron? Well, it was, uh, again, it came out in 89. Uh, it was it was uh, made in-house at Infograms, uh, which their name always I find odd. I don't know why. Infograms. It's, 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 like French. it's, it's French. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Infograms, of course, they did oh, they got a lot of stuff. They did about 50 titles on the Amiga. Uh, they did a lot of Disney stuff. They did SimCity, which I believe you had a crack at. Mm-hmm. Uh, they did Tetris and Weltris, and they did a game that I remember called Drock. And uh, it's funny, I looked over their list of stuff, and there was very little that I played. Uh, I didn't do the Disney stuff. You know what I always think about it with Infograms is is uh, they are the company that's infamous for uh, buying Atari. Yeah, and, that didn't uh, work out too good the for ground. Them. Yeah. I believe they did Alone in the Dark. Oh, 
Really? I, I, I think they did Alone in the Dark, if you'll remember that series. That wasn't on the Amiga, but it was a very groundbreaking game, yeah. HP Lovecraft-inspired game. Um, this thing had a, <clears throat> probably, of all the games we've covered, it probably had the biggest team of people working <laughs> on it. Uh, uh, listed, uh, thanks to ha- our, our good buddies over at Lemon Amiga, uh, you had three people listed in, uh, as coders. Uh, again, it's time to butcher some names. Alan uh, Nakachi. Yeah, he, this is his game, and as was uh, William Hinnaboyce. That was pretty much all they did. And then uh, Stephanie bought it. Most likely Stefan. Could be. Um, did North and South plus SimCity and Draken, so did a couple other ones. Um, graphics, a ton of people worked, which is, don't you find that strange? There wasn't a ton of graphics in it. Yeah. So I'm guessing some of these people might be listed for graphics that worked on the comic it's based on or something. Well, that might be true. Or it might just be, you know, Infogrames is a big studio. They could afford to pay more people to work on games, you know. Yeah, I suppose you you could be onto something there. The uh, A couple people on the list just did North and South. And one, one fella did North and South and Draken. Uh, I'm not going to try to pronounce these uh, these names, but uh, it, it, this game was a lot of people's only effort, or one of the one or two only efforts uh, in the, uh, the of on the Amiga. The the musician you had two you had two people listed, Charles Callet. This guy was pretty active on the Amiga. Uh, I, it's funny I look over the list of the things he did, and I guess a lot of these are infogram titles, but I, I've never played them. Action Service, Bargon Attack. Uh, something called Bomb Moraine Ocean. <laughs> That's the name of <laughs> Bobo, Combat Course, Draken, Goblins 2, Goblins 3. Uh, have you heard of any of these games? Uh, I have heard of Goblins yeah. before. Uh, Metal Masters, um, Operation Neptune, Passengers on the Wind. Again, I'm, these, yeah, these, none of these. Some of those sound kind of cool, though. Sierra Soccer, that one I'd heard of. Sir Fred, the legend. <laughs> 1010 on the Moon, that I've heard of, and Ween, The Prophecy. Wow. Yeah. Based on the band, I, uh, no doubt. In my mind. And then, uh, the uh, uh, again, uh, uh, that's uh, Stefan Baudet oh, no. is uh, listed on this one as doing North, does music for this, SimCity and Draken. Um, the, uh, uh, I had a look to see how common, I, you know, this game is not one that I had ever played, and really, had, had, I'd only heard of and thought, man, you know, I thought it was just a. Uh, honestly, I thought it was a simulator for Civil War. That's what I thought it was. That's what it sounds like. I had no idea about the comic. I had no idea about anything. Uh, this game is pretty rare. Uh, I looked it up on eBay just to see what kind of action it was getting, and it's getting very little action. Um, <coughs> good luck getting this in the states. Ironically, I don't know if this is even released in the states. To be completely honest with you, I don't. I have no indication to say that it was. Well, you know, I don't. It would be I I agree with you because if you think about in when you start the game and you choose the flags, mm-hmm. you don't get you know USA as an option. Of course, English you know they can right. go either way on that, but it it might have never gotten a release here, which I, is uh, pretty ironic considering it's a game about the U.S. Civil War. Well, a lot about this game's ironic. Yes, the uh, <laughs> the fact that it's a, a game based on our history. I thought maybe they'd give it a shot over here. And maybe they did, but I couldn't find any. Well, it definitely got ported on the NES over here. Right. Um, Right now, there was only one of these available on eBay, and it was going for over $70. And it was out of the U.K. And I'd only seen one sold recently. 
uh, and it only won for months and months and months. This is easily the rarest game of all the ones we've looked at in terms mm-hmm. of being able, I mean, being able to find anything about it. Uh, this the, uh, the one I found that had already had already been sold went for about eighteen bucks shipped. Again, it was in the UK, uh, so pretty rare. If you've got one, you know you may want to look around and it may be worth something. Again, I don't, it's not something we've seen over here. Again, the uh, this is my introduction to the to the comic strip. Yeah, the the comic strip is actually kind of interesting. Um, it's a Belgian comic. Um, and uh, it's you know it centers on two U.S. cavalrymen, and it was originally published in 1970. Um, and it's called Le Tunique Blue, or the Blue Coats. Uh, and it just seems you know I'm sure that we make light of all kinds of stuff we shouldn't in this country uh, that we we're not that we shouldn't but that we just don't know about. Um, and you know when you think about the Civil War. And you know the tragedy of the Civil War, having kind of a comic take on it. I'm trying to think of you know. I guess we've got stuff like Mash here, well, um, I, 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 Hogan's I, Heroes. Yeah, you know, I'm trying to think of anything that was comedic that was Civil War. I mean, I, the thing that comes closest maybe like F Troop, but it wasn't really Civil no, War. The end of the Civil War you know, was near, quite incident. And, and, and um, Civil War is not considered funny here. Right, exactly. <laughs> or wacky. It's but funny because other wars are considered funny, yeah, like you said, but not the Civil War. Yeah, and maybe it's because it was actually fought here, um, and so for whatever reason that makes us more, you know, uh, more sensitive to it. But uh, you're right. That's I mean, strange. Yeah, when you think about now, of course, you know, MASH was not funny about the war part of Vietnam. It would just have to be said in Vietnam. But, Korea. Or Korea. Boy. Sorry. Um, <laughs> nothing. I don't think there's ever been any comedy set in the Vietnam War. Good, Good morning, morning, Vietnam. Vietnam. <laughs> yeah. So, but um, but Hogan's Heroes, definitely, uh, you know, that that World And even that's sort of wacky. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But it's just kind of interesting stuff like this. And it's funny. I never thought about the Civil War. I mean, I don't particularly feel offended by it or anything, but it's. I, I never thought of it as something that you would use to be uh, to, to be a comedy. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, but uh, so anyway, that's just a little bit about. And of course, there's a whole you know. The, if you want to look up the the comic, there's all kinds of uh, references you know, to that online. That comic starting in '70, and the game was released in '89, I believe. So the comic the comic must be very popular to yeah. have had a run to the to where the point where it could support a, a, a game. And then if you, I know they've released this recently. On the mobile devices, so there must still be an audience to uh, to enjoy it now. As far as I know, um, you know, I don't have a date for when the series ended, so it might even be going on. I think, still. Uh, from what I from what I was able to ask, it's still going on. Uh, they, it, at some point, they changed uh, artists or the direction or something changed. But from one of the things about this, I thought was really interesting, and I sort of noticed that in the game, about you know, you, eh, you don't really put much. Attention. The, the apparently the the comic is incredibly historically accurate really incredibly like these guys are real sticklers for that mm-hmm. and that's something it's known for it's being very very historically accurate and then in the comic apparently the, the the two major characters aside from being in the civil war they get sent all over the country on wacky uh, adventures they've been to mexico they've been to you know california and they've been to canada and they've done, so you know of course if you've got a comic writer since 1970 they've probably been to the moon right by now but time travel it's interesting that someone in belgium would be uh, a student of of the war to the degree that they would be uh they would put their reputation on a lot about the uh, the incredible accuracy of this i mean apparently that's a real hallmark of the series mm. i thought that was that is that is very interesting um now we turn to the game uh the game 
if you've never played it, I'm going to try to describe what playing the game is like. Um, at the beginning of the game, you, you turn it on, you choose your language, uh, you've got this guy blowing a bugle in some sort of a crazy, rapid manner that just disturbed me from the get-go. At first, I thought it was an error in emulation, and then at, at every version I played it on, it was exactly the same. You choose your language, and of course, you know I chose English, and you're greeted with, it plays God Save the Queen. <laughs> and I was like, well, that's odd for a Civil War game. But then I realized that it plays whatever country you select, it plays their national anthem. Um, just like we mentioned before, uh, the U.S. was not a flag choice here. We don't know if that's because it was not released here or they just used Britain to be English, which is fine. Um, so after that, you get the way that you select your game options is kind of neat. Instead yeah, of just, I like that a in, lot. Yeah, instead of just having a uh, kind of a blank generic screen to select your options, it's like you're being, uh, there's a photographer set up and he, you've got these different windows and everything is symbols based. Uh, you know, whether you want to turn on storms or the very politically incorrect Mexican, um, you know, all of that stuff is, uh, you can either just, you know, gray it out or bring it to life. Uh, and then when you're ready, you hit go and it takes the picture and you're off to the races. Did you ever click on the photographer? I uh, know. What yeah. happens? He gets like, ah. <laughs> <laughs> That's cool. I never, I never thought to oh, do yeah. that. Oh, yeah. First thing I did. <laughs> so after you uh, select, you know, whether you want to play two player or one player or whatever, then you're greeted with this map. And depending on what year of the Civil War you've chosen to start in, uh, you know, the, the you, you can start at the beginning. Things are kind of equal. And as the war goes on, the North gains more and more. Uh, of an advantage um, and you're you're basically looking at this map screen you know in between various events it's not unlike defender of the crown where you you have a map screen and then things happen uh, that are almost like little mini games um, there's a couple other things that go on on the map screen uh, every state has a railroad line going through it that might not be true. Maybe not every state, but the, the North and the South have an equal number of states with a railway line going through it. And as turns progress, the, the train moves across the tracks and it drops off gold into either the North or the South. Which is supposed to represent taxes. Okay. Yeah. And uh, every once in a while, if your treasury fills up, you're granted another soldier. Uh, so these soldiers are like your pawns on the battlefield. Uh, you move them from state to state or from region to region. And, um, you know, you're trying to capture the other person's territory. Again, not unlike Defender of the Crown. Um, when two soldiers meet, you know, when they go into the same area, uh, you get a battle. Okay, Aaron, you want to talk about the battle? Well, they're... <laughs> that's where the action kicks in, <laughs> such as it is. You basically control like a cannon, mm -hmm. and you try to shoot the other guy and his and his troops, and he's shooting at you, and your troops are running into each other. And sometimes there's a bridge, and right. sometimes there's not. And one of the one of the things that could have made this game a lot better is a more effective system of switching between your different groups of characters. Because I had I was had all kinds of trouble, yeah, had gaining any sort of control over yeah. my guys. Uh, the way that you do it uh, by default is you have you're using your arrow keys or the joystick uh, to move your guys, but then you're using the right shift button to switch. And if you can picture an Amiga keyboard in your mind. You know, the right shift button is not, you're kind of reaching across your body if you're in the middle of the table and you've got the joystick there. It would have made so much more sense to put that select on the left shift 
and then you kind of got your throttle and your gear or whatever you know. or another mouse button or Any, yeah, yeah you know anything and so um that is the and so in the battle the computer of course is excellent he's switching between guys he's leading the charge against you and i just found myself on the defensive all the time just even trying to gain control i'd run forward with my guys and they'd all charge into the lake and they'd die yeah or i'd try and cross the bridge with the horses only one horse would make it i'd have many times where i would just have to sit there helplessly as my guys were slaughtered yeah i was like whoop i stink <laughs> so uh the the first little mini game the battle mini game which is the most uh the one you're going to see the most uh, it looks nice. The The graphics are presented well. The game moves quickly. Sounds good. It sounds yeah. good. Uh, when you first start a battle, you get a little cut scene of a cannonball flying across, you know, and the attacking army going. Um, also, you know, the cut scenes with the railroad, you know, the, the train going, they look nice too. Um, so that's that's the first, the first mini game. The second mini game occurs when you try to capture an opponent's fort. And this mini game... <laughs> I thought there was something going on. I was like, "What is this thing screwed up?" Yeah, the, if you if you have never played this game and you saw a video of the way that this game this mini game moves, you'd think, "Well, that's this has got to be something going on with the emulator that it's mm-hmm. running way too fast." But it's not. It's meant to go this fast. Your guy literally moves at just under the speed of light. I mean, you you he moves like a streak across the screen. And uh, what you're trying to do is you're trying to catch up with this timer. On the bottom of the screen, there's a little graphic that represents you and a clock graphic. It reminds you a lot of the three students. I knew it. The Larry Larry yeah. with the radio. Right. Yeah, exactly. that's exactly what I thought. And um, Except far, far or more. Less fun, yeah. <laughs> and that wasn't perfect by no, any stretch. No. And so now in the meantime, your opponent has the opportunity to have guys come out against you. And, uh, you know, you punch the guys and they fly up into the air. There's knives that are being thrown and stuff like that. But the whole thing just happens so fast that it's not any fun. It's no. really not. No, it's it's almost like a, it just didn't program it right. Right. I mean, it's just, right. And yeah. they said, ah, good enough. <laughs> exactly. Um, so that's the, the second mini game. And uh, as far as I know, are there any other mini games? Am I missing anything? No. That's all I saw. Yeah, and and so now there are other things that happen. There are storms that can move across the battlefield that affect different things. Uh, there is a Mexican who, if you read the manual, has just woken up from his siesta, and you know it's it's very of its time in the way that the Mexicans are. Uh, you know, I know if uh, you're portrayed. playing the South, uh, you can you'll occasionally get reinforcements if you do the certain things. That, uh, if you're controlling North Carolina, I think that's another thing I've seen happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so things like that, you know, random events happen. But overall, as far as I can tell, and I may be missing something, but I don't think that I am. Um, That is, uh, oh, there's also a Native American. um, And, uh, you know, he he might hurl a a giant tomahawk (laughs) at one of your states. Um, And a sombrero, you know, the Mexican, he's wearing a sombrero. It's uh, and. So that's, but I mean, that's really it. That's the whole, um, that's the whole game. And it's just, you know, a a war on territory that you eventually win or lose. Um, Like Aaron said before, it's way too, it's it's not deep enough to be a good strategy game. And the action is way too bad to be a good action game. Yeah, I I, I, I thought I just was horrible at the game, so I went and watched a a playthrough. That's it. I mean, I was surprised. Let's put it that way. I was surprised. 
And uh, this game did pretty well uh, uh, in terms of uh, reviews, which is awesome. <laughs> it that's boggles what made, the mind. That's what made me wonder if maybe I just missed something because I looked over the reviews for this thing, and it was getting, you know, uh, it was getting, like, for example, Amiga Action uh, gave it a 92. Uh, now, I did see a couple of bad ones. Like the one for Amiga games gave it a, a 2 out of 5, you know. Uh, you know, and it's only one disc. It's not a big game. It's uh, it's just it didn't do it for me. No, I mean, I, and the thing is, there was a game there. There was potential there to be something. Right. You know, they had a great license. Yeah. You know, you know it reminded me. Of, uh, you know, it, it's funny these com- these comics that are big overseas. Have you ever heard of a, a comic called Asterix? Yeah, that's very popular over there. I've seen other it, I, Me and my son play a game based on that, and it's fun. It's a it's more of a beat 'em up type game, but mm-hmm. they could have done it. Uh, they could have done something. Right. It's almost like they just said, well, here we go. You know, it just, they, and especially with all the people working on it, maybe that was a problem. Mm-hmm. You know, I just, I don't know. It, it, maybe it was lost on me, but it just didn't seem very deep. Yeah. And so, um, you know, North and South, check it out. Play, you know, look at a, look at a playthrough on YouTube before you go through the trouble of, you know, downloading it and all that stuff. Um, but, uh, you know, if you've got a physical copy though, hey, you, you got some money in your pocket. So, um, you know that's unfortunately that's that's our review on this one. Yeah, you know, they sorry all, guys, they all can't be winners, but no. uh, you know that's how it goes. <laughs> anyway, uh, speaking of uh, next week, uh, <laughs> were you were speaking of next week? <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just looking forward. Uh, what do you think about doing wings? Yes, I've been waiting to do CinemaWare's wings for quite a while, so we're going to get it out of the way next week. All right, that sounds good. We'd like to thank our sponsors. Uh, O'Brien's Retro and Vintage, yes. Brent, Brent Dowdy, and Chad Halstead. Thank you for your support. Thanks, also. guys. And uh, if you'd like to uh, sponsor our podcast, help keep the lights on, uh, check us out over at patreon.com slash amigos podcast. And uh, we'll see you next time. Until next week. Adios. Adios.